0: Grace and peace to you in the name of that name, the name of of all names. It's good to be with you at Grace Church. And if the Lord would help us, I'd like to just take a glimpse at the grace of God as it relates to the birth of the Lord Jesus. I'd like you to think with me of this scripture from 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. It goes like this For you know the grace, there it is, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. I'd like us to just think about three questions. Um, Number one How rich was Jesus Christ? And secondly, how poor did he become? And thirdly, how rich are you in the grace of God? So Paul writes this in the context to the, um, he's encouraging the church at Corinth there to be generous, and he uses as an example the churches of Macedonia. Who gave, it says uh, in verse 2 and 3 in great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abounded with riches. In other words, Paul had taken a generous offering out of the churches of Macedonia, even though circumstances were negative and difficult, their great joy caused them to give liberally. And the question is, well, what what was the source of that joy, and what was behind the the generous offering out of deep poverty? And the question is answered in verse one, where he says, um, where it says, the grace. Where did it come from? The grace of God is the answer. We make known to you the grace of God, bestowed on these churches, and then. He goes to this verse, which we just read. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how rich was he? I'd like to read some familiar words from Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. Paul's writing, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form, the nature, the character of God did not think it robbery to be equal, he equal with God. In other words, he did not count equality with God as something to be held on to or maintained at all costs, but made himself of no reputation. Some translations say he, he emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. How many know the word became flesh? He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he never walked according to the flesh. In the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, the humility of God. And became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah, is Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. How many of you know Yeshua's number one goal was to glorify the Father through his obedience, and in that obedience he brought us redemption. So how rich was he? We know we know from uh, many, many places that you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So equality was with God was a reality in the life, in the in the in in Jesus' life. We know from the prophecy of Micah 5, 2, I love this prophecy. It says, out of you, and it's referencing Bethlehem, Ephratah, probably linked to modern Ephrat in Israel to, to this day. Out of you, Bethlehem, shall come one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So this baby that showed up in Luke 2 and Matthew 2 existed before. I love Jesus' words to the Pharisees in John 8. He had just referenced Abraham. They were telling him, you can't witness about yourself. It's not true. And and Jesus said, it is. But they said, so he referenced Abraham. And the Pharisees said, you're not yet 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? You remember Jesus' words? Feel the power. He says, most assuredly I say to you. Before Abraham was, I am. Who is this? I love, the, I love the account in the boat on the Sea of Galilee when, when um, the storm comes and the disciples are terrified. They think they're sinking. They wake Jesus. He stills the storm with a word. And then I think Mark 4, it says, then they were exceedingly terrified beyond measure and fearful and they said, who are you who are you so how rich was he in in job 26 very briefly very quickly job he's on the ash heap he's scraping his sores he turns his face heavenward and he begins to gaze at god in verse 5 he says the dead tremble and he spends some time meditating on the righteous judge of all the earth. We know from John five, Jesus said that the Father entrusted judgment to him. He is ultimately the righteous judge. From Acts seventeen, we learn that God appointed a man to judge the world in righteousness. It's the man, Christ Jesus, the great white throne. We believe it's Jesus that sat on that throne. He's the righteous judge. He meditates. Then in verse 7, he goes to to Genesis 1. He says, he hangs the earth on nothing, and he meditates on the God who said, let there be, and there was. And we know that without him was nothing made that was made. So Jesus was there at the creation of the created order. It's like the Father envisioned the word spoke and the Spirit executed with power, and it came to be. So he's he's the creator. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. I quoted that. Then in verse eleven of Job twenty-six, he says the pillars of heaven tremble, and he begins to meditate on the administration of natural history. You know, God is alive, and he's working in the earth. You know, Daniel, in Daniel 7, it's the winds of heaven that brought the empires out of the great sea of seething humanity. It was the winds of heaven. It's God who raises up leaders and brings them down. Isaiah 40, he raises up princes and then he breathes on them, and the whirlwind takes them away like dust. In Isaiah 62, we know that he said, I will not be silent. I will not hold my peace until Jerusalem shines with brightness and our salvation goes forth like a burning torch. In others, I'm working in the earth to fulfill my purposes, to bring it about. Acts 17, he establishes the boundaries of the nations. He sets Israel in the midst of the nations and in all the turmoil of the nations in the earth. Why does God... He's working. What's he doing? He said, so that men might perhaps seek me, grope for me, and find me. He wants circumstances in the earth to cause human beings to disavow their idols and seek the living God. So he's working. He's working. He has to bring forth a company of redeemed who say yes of their own free will. He will, in all the administration, he will never violate the free will of one human being. He's working in the earth. Job's meditating, he's marveling. And then in verse 26, we have the punchline. He says, Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways, a mere whisper, but the thunder of his power, who can comprehend? And the question is, what is the thunder? Of his power. If Genesis 1 is a whisper, what's the thunder? And I believe it was when he became poor. What king does not grasp to maintain his position and his authority? This one emptied himself. He humbled himself, John 1.10. It says he was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He's walking on the globe. He created back in Genesis 1, and humanity didn't have a clue who this man was. And the, and the condescension that had, a, had to occur just to take on human flesh and then further condescension to take on the form of a bondservant and further yet condescension to humble himself and become obedient unto death, even death on the cross, totally submitted to the Father. This man had never known agony and pain and trouble. He'd speak and it would happen. Suddenly, he's saying, Father, Father, If this cup, is there any other way? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And in the process, somehow the sin of the world comes on the sinless flesh of this man. He bore our sin in his own body, and a storm breaks out in the Godhead, and the Father crushes the Son, who had become sin for us, and it was a righteous act, and He descends into the lowest place possible, trusting that the Father would raise Him up. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that the name of Yeshua, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. Listen to the words of Colossians one. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For By him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. This language, the firstborn of creation and the firstborn from the dead, here's the wonder of it. He was raised To be a man forever. In Revelation 5, when there's no one worthy to open the scroll and to loose the seals, John is weeping. And one of the elders says, Taps John on the shoulder, says, John, don't weep. We found one who's worthy. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. He's worthy to open the seals. John looks and he sees a lamb as though it had been slain, he sees a man with scars. See, the earth has been given to men, to humans. It has to be a human being. A human being gave it away. A human being had to take it back. And a human being has to be in charge of the government of the earth. And this man qualifies. And so the song breaks out in heaven. I mean the four living creatures fall down before this one. When he takes the scroll, the title deed of the created order, he takes it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he did that, the four living creatures fell down before a man with scars. And the angelic hosts break out in song, Worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and to loose the seals because you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. And you have purchased men for God by your blood of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He's worthy to have all the governmental power in the created order. He's worthy <laughs> to have. To possess all the wealth, the gold and the silver of, of the created order, he will not misappropriate one cent of infinite wealth. He has proved he will not use his power to redeem himself. He could have called 12 legions of angels and avoided the whole scenario, but he submitted. Now here's the deal. How rich are you? Let me ask you this, where were you when Adam sinned? You were in the loins of Adam, therefore you sinned. You go, well, that's not fair. God says, no problem. I'm gonna send the last Adam ahead of time. And he's gonna die for you. So where were you when Christ died? You were in the loins of Christ, the last, the last man And if one died for all, 2 Corinthians 5, therefore all died. You died. Where were you? How many of you were baptized into Christ? You were then, according to Romans 6, baptized into his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and you have become the resurrection of Christ in the earth. Where are you now? seated with him in the heavenly places. Where has he been exalted to? To the highest place possible as a man over all the created order. You are in him. Now let me close with this. Look, Romans 8. If you have the spirit of God, you are sons of God. Now that's not a gender statement. That's a maturity statement. Men are the bride of Christ. Women are the sons of God. So let's settle that issue right now. If You have the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God, and if sons, then heirs. Heirs. Who's your father? God the Father. Is he rich? You know, he told his son, ask me and I'm going to give you the nations for your inheritance. I'm going to give you the ends of the earth for your possession." If sons, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ of the entire created order, how rich are you? And all of this while we were enemies. This is the revelation of grace. While we hated him, he came and did this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we give you thanks. We ask for the joy that was in the churches of Macedonia to be in us as we marvel anew at the grace and the gift that you have so poured out in the name of Yeshua. Amen. God bless you.